Amen. How many of you need God to move in your life today? How many of you want God to move in your life today? I've entitled my message this morning, Jesus is in the house. And in our church services, it is our passion, and I say ours because it's not just mine, but it's ours collectively, um, that we would exalt, that we would magnify, that we would honor Jesus Christ. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by him. He, there is no other name, there is no other name given amongst men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Isaiah tells us it was by his stripes that we were healed, for he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and, and the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. A professor, or rather a president of a Bible college once said that people come to church for two reasons. They come to make a friend and they come to meet with God. Well, whether they make a friend is up to you. Amen. And whether they meet with God is up to you also. It's up to us that we create an atmosphere and a place for God to work and God to move by his spirit. And that's what I want to share about this morning. How do we do that? How do we become a place where Jesus is able to move, where God is able to pour out his spirit? Before I minister the word of God, I'm going to ask Pastor Lisa to come and, and sing a song that I asked her specifically to sing, and that there's healing in this house. And I want your faith to rise up this morning. Amen? I want your heart to, to be engaged today. I want you to believe God this morning as she sings for, for that area of your life that you're trusting God, that you're needing God to work. Come on, let's believe him today. Let's receive by faith what God has for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I struggled just to make it through the day. Suddenly I felt a holy reverence and the pain inside began to slip away. Felt his presence 
And I knew that this must be a holy place. There is healing in this house, healing in this house, manifested peace to call troubled hearts with healing balm. There is healing in this 
Amen. Would you stand together with me one more time as we go to God in prayer? What a crazy time we're living in. If we've ever needed God, it's now. They used to, there is a saying, fake it until you make it. I don't know if we can fake it anymore. We really need God and I don't have to tell you how bad things are. I think we all know it very well. But can we take this opportunity, these few moments, once again, to call upon God. We're in church today. We're receiving encouragement. We're worshiping. We're engaging our faith. We're connecting with God. And one more time, God, I need your strength. I know I can't do this without God. And I believe God, I said it a couple of weeks ago in my message, that what's going on in our world, I believe God is using it to cause us to live a life of faith once again that we should be living anyway. But now we need to. We need to be, be in, intentional in our faith. Uh, we need to, uh, uh, the Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We need to be diligent. We need to be intentional about our faith and about seeking God. Amen. So can we pray together one more time for the grace and the strength and for just uh, the presence of God to be with us today. Yes, Lord. God, we do call on you, God. We do stand in your presence with humility, acknowledging that we need you, acknowledging that we need your grace, your strength. God, that, that we want to, we need to live a life of faith, truly, truly trusting in you. Lord, trusting in you with all of our heart, leaning not on our own understanding, God, in all our ways, acknowledging you, God, in all our ways, not just some of the time, not just some of the ways, but all, God, that you might direct our path. Father, I pray, God, for each and every one. God, we, we come into agreement together as, as the people of God, Lord, putting aside any of the differences we might have this morning, but just acknowledging the, the one central fact, the one uh, uh, need that unifies us all, and that is our need of you, God, our need of a faith, God, that is intentional, a faith, God, that, that, that truly is, is, is a true faith, God, not a dead faith, not a faith without works, but a faith that truly believes you, God. And so this morning, God, I pray you would touch each and every one, Lord. God, I pray, God, that you would touch every heart. God, I pray you would touch every mind, Lord. Lord, there seems to be such an attack upon your people against the mind, oh God, against the thought life. And so God, today we cast down imaginations, we pull down strongholds. And God, we even remember today uh, is World uh, Mental Health Day. And God, we do pray for those that struggle with mental illness, God. We pray for healing, we pray for health, we pray for help in those areas, God. Lord, that not one person, God, would miss out from what you have for them, God. We commit this service, we commit this message, we commit our lives into your hands. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Turn to two or three people, let them know that you are believing God with them this morning. You may be seated. Amen. Open up in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 to 5. And it says, and again, say again. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even the door 
not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken through, come on, say broken through. They let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiving you forgiven you. Down to verse 12, and immediately he arose and took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Amen. May God add his blessing to his word. Three thoughts that I would like to share with you from this passage of scripture. Number one, the need to welcome Jesus. Welcome Jesus. The Bible said he entered Capernaum again after some days and was heard that he was in the house and immediately many gathered together. Jesus was welcomed in not only Capernaum but it says in the house. They made Jesus feel at home. Now what's interesting about this passage of scripture in studying it having been to the land of Israel several times, uh, much research and, and understanding on this topic is when you actually see in Israel, in this region of Capernaum, if you would look at chapter one, verse 29, it says, now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. The Bible says, as soon as they came out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Peter and Andrew. What does that indicate? As soon as they came out of the synagogue, so the synagogue was here, as soon as they came out, they entered the house. And in the land of Israel, around the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum, there is a second or third century synagogue that was built on a first century synagogue that is truly believed that Jesus would have been in at that time. And right next door to it, we have those of you that have gone to Israel, remember there is what is known, excavated, uh, and, and the remains of what is most likely would have been Peter and Andrew's house. Now, in chapter 2 of what we're reading, verse 1, it says, again he entered Capernaum, and after some days it was heard that he was in the house. It doesn't say a house, but the house. So many scholars, many commentators believe uh, that Jesus would have made his home base, would have had his uh, residence, would have dwelt in, stayed with Peter and Andrew in that house because it was the house, it wasn't a house. So he would have regularly went there. Why is that significant? Well, uh, the scriptures, as you read through the New Testament, as you study geography and history, you'll find out that Jesus spent uh, and made his home base in Capernaum. He would have regularly visited, it says in verse 1, and again he entered Capernaum. Again he entered it. So he would have regularly visited he would have been welcomed in, he would have stayed there, he would have made it his base of operation. Why is that important? Because it reveals to us that Jesus was welcomed in that area. And when you are welcomed somewhere, what, what does that do for you? It makes you want to go back there. It makes you want to be there. 
Now, if you remember in Mark chapter 6 that Jesus went to Nazareth and he never went back there again. In Mark chapter 6, we see Jesus went to Nazareth and the Bible tells us that they grumbled, that they complained, that they took exception, that they got offended, that they had an attitude, that it was so bad that the scriptures say Jesus could not do any mighty works there. It didn't say he wouldn't, he couldn't. They, what they did was they actually short-circuited the ministry of Jesus. You say, is that possible? I wouldn't believe it would be unless I had read it in the scriptures, unless I had seen it in the word of God. And he never went back there. And there are some places, you know, it was a place, if you will, of defeat and, and, and a place of setback. And, you know, Jesus never went back there, but he went back to Capernaum again and again and again. And I think just in a little aside, this isn't in my message, but sometimes we are too apt, we are too uh, willing to revisit places of defeat instead of places of victory. He never went back to Nazareth, but he went to Capernaum again and again and again. And I think you and I need to go back to places of victory and not places of defeat. We need to remember what God has done. We need to revisit those places. We need to go back there. We need to give God praise, give God thanks. And we need to shake off those places of defeat. Those places of setback and say, it's in the past. No more. I move forward. I visit places of victory. Jesus was welcomed. I'm reminded of how in 2 Kings chapter 4, I'm reminded of Elisha, the prophet of God. The Bible says that he would pass by a certain region. And the Bible says there was a notable woman, a woman of great means, who spoke to her husband. And she said, I perceive that this is a man of God. She had perception. She had discernment. She said, I perceive that this is a prophet. This is a man of God. And he passes by this way. Let us make room for him. Let us make a place for him so that when he passes by, he has a place to rest, to refresh himself, and to visit. I was so impressed by that because she had perception. Not only did she perceive he was a man of God, but she was willing to make room for him. I believe in Capernaum, Peter and Andrew and his family, they made room for Jesus. They welcomed him. They opened their heart. They opened their doors to him. One of the things that my wife and I, when we were looking for a house, one of the things we had on our wish list, our checklist for a home, was a separate private section, a private entrance, a bedroom, a kitchen, which some of us call an in-law apartment, but it's not necessarily for in-laws, praise the Lord. <laughs> no, but a separate private section, a kitchen, a bathroom that we wanted for traveling ministers, missionaries, men and women of God to stay for a few days. Some of you might have heard uh, of Mama Chrissy Chapman from Burundi. Uh, she stayed with us for, was it two weeks? We were blessed to have her in our home. And you know what I found out? When you welcome guests in your home, it is an awesome thing, but you know what? You have to change your lifestyle a little bit. You have to walk a little lighter because if they're below you, you might be up early. You can't be walking around with shoes and pounding and waking them up. You have to be a little quieter, especially if you have a little discussion with your wife. 
You have to learn to be a little quieter. You also can't dress the way you want to dress or the way you might dress if nobody's in the house, just in case. So what, what am I saying is you, you have to make some adjustments. You have to make some changes. And, and to make room for Jesus in our lives and in our church, we have to make some adjustments. We have to make some changes. We have to realize that it can't be business as usual, even inside of a church. But I do believe that Jesus wants to come and visit us. Jesus wants to come and dwell with us. You know, there's a saying, if you build it, they will come. But I believe if you create an atmosphere, if we create an atmosphere Jesus, for Jesus, he will come. Part of that atmosphere is praise and worship. We don't just sing songs just to fill in a, a little segment of the service and just say we did that. No, that is part of us creating a place for Jesus, for God to come. Jesus doesn't in, in, inhabit grumbling and complaining. Matter of fact, that grieves the Spirit of God. That sends the Spirit of God away. But when we praise and worship, God inhabits. He inhabits our praise and our worship. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 says, Sing with one another or speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. It's not just the words, but it's a heart that makes melody, that worships, that honors God. I'm reminded of Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 where Jesus is standing outside of a church, a real literal first century church, and he's saying, I stand at the door and knock. For some reason, he wasn't welcome there. And if we look at the, the church, it was the church of Laodicea, we understand that the reason why that Jesus wasn't welcome, he wasn't there, was because they become self-satisfied. Because they said, we're rich, we're, 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 we're well-fed, we're well-clothed, we've got it all going on, we don't have any need. And the Lord says, you're blind, you're, blind, you're wretched, you're naked. And he said, I stand at the door and knock, and the goodness of God, even when he's not welcome, he still knocks. He still seeks, he still seeks you and I out. Why? Because he's merciful. Why? Because he's gracious. He keeps knocking at the door of our heart. And he says, if you hear my voice, open up and I'll come in. You and I have an opportunity in our church services. When you look at that passage of scripture, the Bible says, he entered Capernaum again, he came, and it was heard that he was in the house. I want people to hear that Jesus is in the house. Not a personality, not a person, not me, not anyone, but Jesus. With people, they don't, they don't need religion. They don't need some slick preacher. They don't need all the bells and whistles. What they really need is Jesus. What they really need is the presence and power of God to touch and change their lives. Would you welcome Jesus in this place? Would you join with me as the people of God? It's not a one-man show. It's not me. It's us. The church was never about a person. It was only about Jesus. He is the head of the church. We are his body. We all might have different functions. We might all have different places, but we are his body. And may it be said that Jesus is in the house at Victory Church. We need to welcome him. We need to receive the word. The Bible says, and immediately, verse 2, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word 
to them. Look at the centrality, the supremacy, the priority of the word of God. What did the master do? What did Jesus do? He preached the word to them. Culture is changing so radically before our eyes. We live in a country that our grandparents would not even recognize. Changing so radically. Knowledge, they say, just doubles at, at a rapid speed. But you know what? The word of God never, ever changes. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, he preached the word to them. He preached the word. And we see that, that they were receiving it. There was no indication that he was going to have a prayer line. There was no indication that there were going to be any miracles or any healings. Although we see there was. But, but they came for the word. I hope and I trust you come this morning to hear the word of God. To hear and that I preach it faithfully. That I preach it passionately. Passionately and by the power of the spirit I preach it with power. That you and I have a hunger and a thirst to hear and learn about the word of God. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. Why? Because you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Why? Because heaven and earth will pass away. But Jesus said, my words will never pass away. Why? Because Jesus said, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I hope this morning, I trust today, that you have a desire and a love for God's word. Because this is his will. This is his heart. This is him. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Who was the word? Jesus is the word. He was the word manifest. This is the word revealed and declared. And so as we get to know the word, we get to know God. We get to know ourselves better. We get to know about eternal and spiritual truths. There's no greater book. There should be no greater passion. When I was young, as a new believer, I didn't have many talents, many abilities. I didn't uh, have much giftings to speak of. I had nothing really significant to look to and say, I'm good at that. So I purposed in my heart that I would learn the word of God and that I would make it my passion to know the word of God. And I don't want to boast and brag, but I do know the word. I, I make it my aim, and I, I don't think I, I'm very, I don't have a photogenic, what's that word? Photogenic? Photographic. I knew there was a difference. Whatever that is, I don't have it. <laughs> but I do have the ability to just keep working at it, working at it. So all my life, every sermon I heard, when I was in Bible college, we were in five chapels a week and four church services a week. So do the math. How many does that come to? I, I would think that would be nine. Nine times a week. And every service, I made it my aim to in the back. No offense to the backsliders this morning. Some of you can front slide, amen. 
But I made it my aim to move out distractions, to be in the front, and always, anytime the word was preached, to listen intently to it, to cross-reference it, to look it up, to see it in print. Matter of fact, I have a Bible that's falling apart because I don't want to give it up because I know where things, I can't find the same Bible. So I don't want to miss up. I've learned I could see passages where they are, uh, the the right-hand side, uh, the right side of the page and the right-hand column. I know where they are, and I don't want to lose that just because I'm like that. But I had a passion to know and learn the Word of God, to memorize it, to know the Scriptures. Why? Because I understood it's God's Word. There's nothing greater. More than anything that you and I would love the word and receive it wholeheartedly. David, the man after the heart of God, said, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that it might not sin against thee. He said, Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed according to your word? Luke 5.1 has a very, a very impressive scripture that it, that's always stuck out to me. In Luke 5.1 it says, they pressed about Jesus to hear the word. They pressed. That means there was an intentionality. That means there was an aggression. There was an attitude. You know what? I'm going to press in. I'm going to hear what God has to say. I was doing a little research and you know, just talking about the global attention span. Every year, our attention span gets less and less and less. Now, this is for Twitter, uh, a social media platform. It says, in 2013, on Twitter, uh, a, a trending topic would last 17 and a half hours. Whatever the, the hot topic in the news and culture and Hollywood, sports, whatever. In 2013, on that social media platform, it would last 17 and a half hours. 2016, it would last a little under 12 hours. Today, it lasts 11 minutes. How, how much of a short attention span do we have? Uh, short atten- uh, a shelf life for news. It's just on to the next thing, on to, why? Because we can't focus for too long. God help us. You and I have to press in. We have to be more intentional to know and hear God's word than ever before. We have to aggressively uh, uh, exercise our faith and, and, and block out distractions because our attention span, I read something like, and, and I won't validate this because I didn't do enough research, but our attention span is, is, is like going down to nine seconds and, 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 um, or 11 seconds, and I read a goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. So again, I didn't do enough research, but I saw a few articles. So, so we're in trouble if our attention span is as long as a goldfish. Hello? <laughs> you know, one thing my wife and I, when we're together, um, and, and my wife's talking to me or I'm talking to her, if either one of us get on the phone when we're talking to each other, we're not too happy. My wife will look at me or I'll look at her. Why? Because you are making what I'm saying or she's saying less important or not as important. And we're going on social media. We're looking at the phone for whatever reason. Not every text or call comes in you have to take it immediately. 
You know, I, I, like, I respond quickly, but, but sometimes we don't have to do that, isn't it? You know, it's really funny when you text some people and they don't get back to you. But if you text them, you know, dinner's served, or I got something for you, or, or something they want to hear, all of a sudden they know how to get back to you quick. Do you ever notice that? I mean, that's just an aside. and has nothing to do with my message. You see... In church and in prayer and in, in the word, as the words preach, do you realize God is trying to talk to us? And if we're on our phones, we are being distracted and we are dishonoring God. Come on now, somebody say amen. And if we have bitterness and hurts and offenses, you know what bitterness and hurt and offense really is? You know what it really comes down to? After it's all said and done, it becomes an issue of unforgiveness. Hello? Isn't that true? Why? Because we're all hurt. We're all, we all get offended. I just love people who think they're the only ones who get offended. I remember some, someone years ago, Pastor, we love you. We've been here for many years, and we don't always agree with things, but we love you, and we keep coming. I wanted to say to him, I don't always agree with things you do either. <laughs> but that's another sermon for another time. There was a time in the 1600s in a certain town in Europe, the people were made to go to church, but they didn't want to go. They were made to go. It was a, it was a, a religious infighting, whatever it was, but they were made to go. So you know what they did? They put cotton in their ears. They blocked out the message. They went there, but they couldn't hear what was being preached because they didn't want to hear. You know, my wife's, uh, she, before she goes to bed, she'll say to me, I'm putting my earplugs in. So if you try to talk to me, I can't hear you. She's warning me. You see, the devil tries to stuff our ears before we come to church and even while we're at church. Please understand that. There is a spiritual battle going on. This ain't a game. The devil's been at this for thousands of years he knows how to mess with you he knows how to hinder you why do you think Sunday mornings could be some of the craziest times in your your home your kids could be like angels the other six days but on Sunday morning they're growing horns things I'm telling you some of these things happen why they're a strategy of the devil to try to block up your ears why because the devil wants to keep you from hearing and receiving the word of God why because there's healing in the word there's deliverance in the word there's wholeness in the word he sent his word and he healed them you see this morning when we come into God's house, we need, to, we need to receive the word of God. It's for our own best interests. It's for your own good. Someone said self-interest stimulates attention. Self-interest stimulates attention. I never heard of one falling asleep at the reading of a will of a rich re recently deceased rich relative. I never heard of a defendant snoozing at the reading of the verdict. Why? Because self-interest stimulates attention. May you and I be at attention. May we say, Lord, I'm listening. Lord, I'm hearing. Lord, I'm focusing on what you are trying to say. 
And it doesn't matter how, how good or not so good the preacher is. You know, you can receive something from anybody when they open up the word of God and declare truth. I trust you receive when I preached, but let me tell you, don't use excuses. Oh, don't, don't, don't get turned off by something or someone, but always have your heart open to receive what God wants to say. And then lastly, exercise your faith. Not only welcome Jesus, we're looking for God to move in this place. Amen. Come on, I'm not just talking about in one service, but, but for there to be such an atmosphere. That new people come in, visitors come in, and they say there's something about this place. Not that they like, you know, the platform or they like the nursery or they like the, the new youth building. All those things are fine and well, but they come and they say there's something about this place. Why? Because we were in a storefront <laughs> that was nondescript, that was just not nice at all in the physical. But what happened? God moved. That drew people. It wasn't the building. We had to literally, to park, we had a parking lot, and, and everybody in the building, uh, two floors above the storefront, the first floor facility, uh, people lived in the, uh, that lived in the building went to the church, so we would park in the back parking lot, and we would literally pull in all, do you remember that? We'd pull all the cars in. So everyone was blocked in except the last one. So you think sometimes if you've got to go around the loop one more time, it's a big deal. But we were all black. But you know why? It didn't matter because we were moving with God. Yeah. We were experiencing God. And so we welcome Jesus. We, we receive the word and we exercise our faith. The Bible says in verse 3, and then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken through, I love that, when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying and Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw their faith. How do you see faith? Faith is intangible. Somebody could have great faith in their heart and you it but you know what you see it when they put works to their faith you see it when they act on what they believe Jesus saw something people people love to say well well my faith is private I was watching some news clip some famous person they were asked about their faith well uh, I'd rather not say because that's a private baloney that's a Greek word for baloney no, 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 our faith is not private. <laughs> How can you see private faith? No, when Jesus saw their faith. You see, I want to encourage you this morning. You say, well, I don't have faith, or I don't know about faith, or I only have a little faith. Romans 12, 3 says, God has given to everyone a measure of faith. So every single one of you this morning... You've got a measure of faith. Turn to the person next to you and say, let me see your hand. Come on, you've got a measure. You've got a seed. Come on, you've got a measure of faith. The issue is what do you do with it? Faith is like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the bigger and the stronger it grows. For those of you that work out, those of you that go to a gym, those of you that do any kind of uh, uh, training and, 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 and what's that called? Not cardio but strength training thank you you're a little late but I, I knew you had the answer 
strength training. You understand to continue to, to grow and increase your muscle capacity, you have to add greater resistance each and every time. You just can't stay at the same level. And some of you are facing some trials. Some of you are facing some tests of your faith. And they're so much greater than anything you've ever experienced. You know why? Because your muscle of faith is growing. So now for it to continue to grow, but Lord, I don't want it to grow anymore. Hello? For it to continue to grow, there's going to be greater resistance. So God allows you to go through even greater testing, greater resistance spiritually so that the muscle of your faith might grow and develop and so that Jesus could say to you, like he said to that woman, woman, great is your faith. See, each and every one of you have a measure of faith this morning. The question is, what do you do with it? What do you do with it? Do you exercise it? Do you put it into action? Do, do you walk out your faith? Do you put feet to your faith? James tells us that faith without works is dead. Look at the Bible, and I'm almost done. It says that these, these four friends, they believed Jesus was in the house. And even though the place was packed, even though there was no room, there was no way in, they would not allow that to stop them. You know, people can get so offended and so hindered. And I had one person, uh, they, they got offended that, that they were asked to move their seat, that they, they, during the whole service, they said, oh, I was in such a bad attitude. Really? I got a good word for you. Grow up. You don't think I've been offended? You don't think I've been in places where maybe this happened or that happened? I had to just, okay, let's move on. Amen. You can't always sit where you want to sit. I know you've got your name on that seat, but somebody might sit in it. Hello. But there are many hindrances that come in our way, and here they are. There's no way for them to get in. The door's blocked. The crowd's there. They could have said, well, you know what? We'll come back to church next week. They said no. They said, we're going to find a way. So what they did, they went upside of the house. Now understand, in first century Israel, in that time, their, their roofs would be flat. They would have a roof that was made of, of thatch and, and clay and tile, and, and it would cover up, but it would be strong enough to walk on. But nonetheless, it would be uh, pretty, pretty difficult to get through. So they had to do a little bit of work. Now, if I was there at that house, I would have really got, a, I would have got offended. What are you doing to this roof? Do you know the mess you're making? But you know what? That, that's just me. I know I don't, I'm not that spiritual. But here, here they are. They're, they're breaking up. They're tearing up the tile. And, and, and what they're doing is they're demonstrating their determination that won't be denied, that they have a faith. And sometimes in life and in ministry and in the walk of God, you have to be so determined because there will be hindrances. You will have to break through. You will have to exercise your faith. A friend told me of they were believing for a promotion at work and they applied for that promotion and before they got the job they knew what the salary would be and you know what they did they started tithing on that new salary before they even got the job you know what happened they got the job Another I read about needed a miracle and they would go to church early and they would stay late seeking God at the altars week after week until they received their miracle. 
There's one I know of who's believing God to develop their gift of healing and miracles. They believe God has given them that gift. So you know what they did? They went one time to adore an animal hospital. A friend of theirs had a dog that had cancer. And they said, I don't know about the theology of this. I don't know, is this really, what do I do? But they went anyway. They prayed for that dog and that dog was healed of cancer. How many of you know, I mean, that's, 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 that's a step in the right direction, amen? Uh, I mean, if you can't heal somebody, start with a dog, start with an ant, start with something. Exercise your faith because you don't know what God is doing to develop. It's better to do something than to do, sit around and hope. Brother Douglas shared in his message last Sunday, he said our first international banquet, he was the only African there. And he said something, he said we understood that we were doing it by faith. Now look, faith has become reality. It has produced a multicultural church with over 25 to 30 nations represented. Our youth expansion, 2,500 square feet. That, that facility, that square footage is larger than our whole first church facility. Our first church facility was about 2,200 square feet. This expansion is more than that. But what are we doing? It's some people say we only have 5, 15, 20 youth that come. What are we going to do with all that space? But we're doing it by faith. We're creating a capacity. We're creating a place for God to work. We are demonstrating our faith. And that building will be built for the glory of God. And it will be debt free. Can you say amen to that? You see, what I'm trying to say is for people to be branded for life, the spiritual climate of the church must be red hot. Our church gatherings must be, must be rich with the presence, the power, and the glory of God. To change a world that has gone crazy, it cannot be business as usual. A time around the altar must be provided where, where people can respond to the preached word and the taught word of God. Would you stand together with me as the singers and the musicians come back? We're going to pray, but as they're coming, a scripture that came to me while I was preparing this message, and I want to just give this to you at the end. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 14. He said, I will come and I will manifest myself to them or to him. I will manifest myself. The word manifest means to appear, to declare, to signify, to show. See, Jesus was saying, now this is after he, when he would ascend into heaven, he said, I'm going to come and manifest himself. So how's he going to do it? He's going to do it by his spirit. Jesus is going to make himself real to you and I this morning. We need to expect it, push past obstacles, come to an altar, pray, seek. You see, manifest means it's going to be clear, it's going to be true. No one could disagree with it. What am I saying is you can know and experience. I said you can know and experience his love, his forgiveness, you can know this morning that you are special to him. You could have a real and genuine relationship with your creator. No matter what you've done, no matter where you're coming from, no matter what your past is like, Jesus' blood 
covers it all. His mercy is everlasting. And you know what? This morning, he can make himself real to you. You know, sometimes it's a, it, well, all the time or most of the time, it's a spiritual thing. It's not a visible, physical way, but a, in a spiritual way. It could be tears coming down your eyes in a moment at the altar or even in your seat. It can be an overwhelming sense of peace and joy. It could be a word or a scripture quickened to your heart. Or it could even be a sobering sense of the holiness of God that you stand in awe of him and you reverence him. I don't know how, I don't know in what way God will manifest himself to you. But I do believe if you welcome him, if you receive his word, if you exercise your faith this morning, God will manifest himself to you. This morning, I'm going to ask you just to take a few moments as we close in prayer. Just move out of your seat. Come around the front. As they sing a song, I'm going to close in prayer. But would you just welcome Jesus today to receive from him? Amen. Just come.